Hello and welcome to the Jersey Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans and where the content is absolutely free. We're coming to you live tonight, the day after Rangers extended the lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership table to 19 points, following a 1-0 victory over Celtic at Ibrox. We will look at the game, as well as other goings on, another busy few days for the club. Um, if you haven't already, please share the podcast where you can and give us a like on our social media platforms. Joining me, uh, David Wren, your host tonight, to go through all that, uh, that happened yesterday. Um, are two of my oldest Jersnet friends, and by that, of course, I mean their age. So it's uh, Colin Armstrong and John McCallum. Uh, Colin, happy new year! It's a very happy start to the year. And I had a wee, yeah. a wee gag lined up about you sobering up, you know, but I know that you didn't drink yesterday because you were a bag of nerves. So I didn't have a drink through the game, I was the nerves crippled me yesterday. I went out for a walk before the game for an hour to try and. Uh, walked them out me, get the nerves out me, but it just made it worse. I just convinced myself that Bobby Madden was going to do us over. He was going to do a number on us. Uh, the whole game it's, it is literally the worst I felt, the worst nerves I felt for a game for a long, long time. And even when we won it, it just it wasn't a, it wasn't as as sort of joyful as I normally am when when we beat them. It was just it just felt more like relief. Uh, I just think there was so much riding on it yesterday that I just couldn't enjoy it. So, but I'm enjoying it now. So, you know, uh, having a wee beer and looking forward to chatting about it tonight. And, and Happy New Year, David. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, John, Happy New Year to you too. Um, thanks for coming back on the podcast. And uh, first time on the camera, so it's good to see you, you know, get out of your, your house coat this time of night. So, no, that's, that's difficult for you. You'll need to keep prodding me to keep me awake, David. Play <laughs> loud music every now and then. Couldn't help but notice you're drinking blue WKD. <laughs> um, Colin's on a, an exotic beer, and I know a big mug of tea to try and keep me awake. Uh, you're, so, you're yeah. saying it's you're saying it's tea, John, but we know it's something else. <laughs> it's an oval tin. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, good year to you. Many more of them. Um, it's been a it's been a good start. Um, let's hope it continues in the same vein. Indeed, indeed. Um, I think we'll end up talking about this game quite a lot, Colin, as the night goes on. It's one of those games where. You know, we spoke about the podcast last week. Sometimes you come on, you just whiz through an agenda and it's all fine. But I think with this game, there's quite a lot out with the actual game itself. You know, and it's a, it's a weird one because you're looking at it, you know, in the in the context of what's what it means for us as a, as a club and our team. But really, the, the actual game itself, even watching it in sports scene again last night, it, it was a very poor game especially from the Rangers point of view and I think you know I put in the the agenda that I sent out to you earlier you know arguably the worst half of football I've seen under Gerrard in that first half yesterday I think it was it was certainly up there in terms of just nothing was happening for us and you know I don't know how you felt going into half time but I I was thinking within the first 10-15 minutes if we get to half time now now here you know we'll be doing really well yeah, I mean, I've I've watched the game, I've watched the highlights a couple of times since, and don't get me wrong, I think you're right, Rangers didn't play well at all, especially in the first half, you know, we just could not get out, and, and I, I wasn't quite sure what Steven Gerrard was trying, you know, what the plan was, it seemed to be we were conceding ground, I, I, I kind of took the opinion about halfway through the half, that we were trying to, we were sitting off them, rather than, you know, a high press, to try and pull them out, to try and create 
space for Kent to run in behind. And it wasn't working. If that was the plan, it wasn't working. Uh, I mean, Celtic played really well. I don't think they played as well as people are making out, though. I saw a really good tweet today from a Celtic fan who pointed out that the save from Alan McGregor, you know, that wonder save for Griffiths, was their last shot on target in the game, you know. So, I mean, they had that really good chance early on with Edward when he, when he got put through. Another good save for McGregor. I think Callum McGregor had a, had a good effort that just went wide of the post. And then, obviously, Griffiths had that shot. And after that, it, it's all sort of long-range stuff. There's, you know, I can't really think of McGregor having a, a save to make in the second half. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Balogun made a good challenge on uh, on Edward in the second half and when it looked like he was through. So I, I don't think Celtic were as dominant as, as people are making out. I, I think it was a poor first half from Rangers. I think the second half, I thought it was kind of itchy-peachy and I agree with you. I, I don't think it was a great game of football and the, the, the red card changed the game. But I mean, it was a red card. I know we'll talk about it later, but it was a red card. But no, not not the greatest performance for Rangers. I, I, I think, I've, I've, you know, again, looking at some of the stuff on online today, some of the comments on Twitter and forums and stuff like that, uh, you know, I'm seeing an opinion that you know, Rangers have came through a heavy, a heavy schedule and I think it's starting to show a wee bit, you know, we're, we're not playing with the same tempo and, and, and there's not the same sort of movement that, that, that was happening in the early part of the season. So we're moving into a period where I think we're, I think all through January we've only got one game a week and I think the players could do with that. You know, I think maybe a wee extended period between each game just to freshen the legs up again before because the, obviously the Europa League stuff starts again in February. But at the end of the day, regardless of the performance, it's about the result. And, you know, before Steven Gerrard arrived... Uh, and maybe even a wee bit in his first year or 18 months, you know, that was probably a game that we would have lost yesterday, you know, and it just shows that we've spoke about it in the show before, you know, when it doesn't go well for you and you're not playing well, you just need to find a way of winning the game. And that's what we've done yesterday. I think that's the biggest example yet from this Rangers team that when we're not playing well, we can find a way to win and, we, and we've done it yesterday. John, as I said there, in terms of the, the first half performance, it was, a, it was a strange one. I mean, you look at the balance of the midfield in terms of, you know, Davis and Kamara play too, have been two players who've been excellent. And I think they were excellent yesterday, actually. But Aribo came into that midfield three and he's actually a player that I, I love. I think he's a fantastic player, especially when you look at the you know context of how we signed him. But he was one yesterday that every time he got the ball, I felt it just wasn't happening. And then, you know, the problem with that is when you don't have Ryan Jack or Scott Arfield and that's who you're playing instead, you know, he's not quite covering as much ground as A guys would. And I think that was possibly one of the things that, that was causing his problems in that first half. Yeah, I mean, I think like every Rangers supporter, I was, you know, at half time, you were thinking, when, when are we going to start? When are we turning up? You know, when are we going to start playing? But as Colin said, with, with 24 hours to actually are because the game itself you know is you have such a mixture of emotions during a, a Rangers Celtic game you've seen me as yesterday um, you know one of my sons and said did someone score and I said no it was just a misplaced pass you know but my reaction to it you know and the games are like that and um, with 24 hours I actually think that the first half firstly I think you have to give some some credit to Celtic I think they had done their homework uh, they came out with a game plan and had they managed to get a goal in the first kind of 20 minutes, then I think it could have been a very different game. 
So give them a little credit there. You know, they are the champions. They are. They do still have some decent players. You know, let's not just write them off. They do still have some decent players. Um, and they gave us a game yesterday and, and, and they took the game to us. I thought the first half, our defence actually played well. Our goalkeeper was outstanding. Our defence actually played quite well. And I thought the two sitting midfielders played quite well. The problem we had was the four in front of them, So, and I'm including Aribo in that, they, they just couldn't keep the ball. You know, every time the ball went forward, it came straight back to us. And that was different from pretty much every game I've seen us play this season, David. You know, that, that none have been, Kent couldn't even Morelis, and, and you know, for all the criticism of Morelis' goal scoring this year, you know, he's a guy who still wins you free kicks. You know, he, he draws in a foul. He wasn't even managing to do that. You know, Roof, Roof, you know, it wasn't a surprise he had taken off at half time. Um, I know there's been talk that maybe he's got a knock, but you know, I, I think it was the right decision and it proved to be the right decision. So it was frustrating from that perspective. Um, and I agree with you, I didn't think Aribo had a great, none of them had a great first half uh, in terms of the first four at the top. But if you watch the game back, the number of times that we, you know, we win the ball in midfield and we have to pass it back. We have to turn around and we pass it back. And Celtic were working really hard. They were closing down the space. They were doing to us what, what we've done to teams this season. Um, and I think what's also interesting, and we'll never know because of the sending off, but it looked to me in the second half that we were starting to get on top. You know, that when, when the sending off came, we were starting to get on top. Celtic were tiring. They couldn't keep up that level of intensity the whole match. They needed to get a goal in the first half. They didn't get it. And, and actually, I felt... As in the second half, I felt kind of 10 minutes into the second half, I started to relax. I started to feel, no, 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 this is our game. Now we are now starting to control this game. We're now starting to create chances. Um, and I think as the game went on, you know, there was no doubt about that. Um, there was only going to be one winner after we scored. I didn't feel in any way that Celtic were going to come back from that. Um, and it, it's an interesting thing because our team goes out to 10 men. That sometimes galvanises them. Sometimes there's this feeling of, you know, they feel hard done by, even if it's, you know, in this case, it certainly, it certainly was a justifiable sending off. But sometimes that galvanises. Sometimes 10 men can be almost hard to play against, but I didn't think it galvanised Celtic. I actually thought the opposite. I thought it, I thought it took took something from them. So, uh, I, you know, I think, but having had 24 hours to, to, to digest it and look back, our forward line just did not function in the first half. And I think that's what causes our problems. But actually, defence played well. Goalkeeper had an outstanding game. And I actually thought Davis and Kamara were doing their best. They just they just couldn't find a forward pass. Yeah, interestingly, you make a good point there about the galvanising teams because actually tonight Sky had um, full of darts came on. They showed uh, a game from I think it was twenty eighteen. It was against Marty's Rangers, and they went down to ten men, and then they eventually scored the winner at Ibrox three two. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're you're right there, and I think it's possibly been a case that. You know, as you say, we were coming into the game a wee bit because that that sending off, and we're all come on to that, but that sending off doesn't really happen if you know we are not finding our way into the game because the way it, the way it happened, Tavernier actually got a ball up the pitch. So, um, yeah, Colin, just just on a, another point to do with the, the first half, um, it actually reminded me a lot of the the standard Liège game at Ibrox in the sense that they pressed us really high up the pitch, and you felt at times like we couldn't really. We didn't really know how to deal with that because it hadn't happened really up until that point. And to yesterday really, really reminded me of that game. But then we found a way that night, and I think we just about found a way yesterday as well. Yeah, and I, I, I think you know earlier in the season we we did show. I think in the Galatasaray game especially, I thought they pressed quite high at times. 
but we were able at that stage in the season to get past the first press. You know what I mean? We were, we were really good. I mean, I think it's the second goal against Galatasaray. It starts from McGregor, goes to Golson, out to Tav. And the move all the way up is, is fantastic. You know what I mean? I think there was more than one example in the early part of the season when we were very good at, at passing our way through that, that high press. As I said earlier on, I think that zip and tempo that we had at the early part has, has dropped a wee bit. And I think, you know, I think I saw something today saying, you know, we've played 33, 34 games already. So that's kind of got to be expected. And you, you can't play to your, your absolute best every single week. You know, that's that's how teams win win titles. It's not that it's not the games when they're, you know, they're at the best version of themselves, playing the best football that they're capable of. It's when they're having a bad day and and they still find a way to to get the three points. So you know that that sort of early, you know, early season form has definitely faded away. You know, we don't look the same sort of team we were at that stage, but we're still winning. We're still finding a way to to, to beat teams. So. That that kind of gives me confidence because I was always worried that you know there was maybe a wee bit of you know Warburton's team about Steven Gerrard's team now you know if Plan A goes tits up there there is no Plan B you know what I mean if we can't do Plan A to to our best sort of uh, sort of the best possible way then we're going to struggle and it's not really like that you know what I mean and I think John makes a good point defensively we're still looking solid you know what I mean and. You know, when you think back of all the great Rangers teams that have won titles and cups and all the rest of it, that's a big part of it. You know what I mean? We don't just go out and batter teams every week. There's, you know, I remember the 92-93 season in that Champions League. You know, the majority of the stuff was, was well, not the majority, but a good part of it was stuff that Andy Gorham done, that John Brown done, that Richard Goff done, you know, that Dave McPherson done. You know, it wasn't all about Ali McCoyce and Mark Cately and, and the, the guys up front. No, we had to dig out results. We had to fight to get those results. And we're showing that. We're defending well. You know, we've only conceded, I think it's five league goals to this point of the season. So, yeah, that sort of, you know, early sort of high-tempo game that we had at, at the early part of the season seems to have disappeared a wee bit. But I, I'm getting confidence for the fact that, that, despite the fact that that's went, we're still getting results. You know what I mean? And I, I think it will come back. You know, once we get through... Uh, sort of January, February time and I think, you know, if, if things go to plan and we're getting closer and closer to the finishing line, I think the confidence will come back and, you know, I think maybe also playing in Europe will help as well because I think when you're playing a higher level of team, it brings out a higher level of performance from from your own team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with how things have gone, David. You know, we're not playing supremely well at the moment. We're still winning, and we're, we're 19 points clear. Okay, they've got three games in hand, but if you'd offered this to us in July, August time, you know you would have just, or the team China for this sort of position that we're in at the moment. So, yeah, I'm happy. As I say, we're not as fluent as we were in the early part of the season, but I'm still very happy with how the team are performing. Just, just them you on that point, Colin. You know, it, as John said, it wasn't working. We made the change at half time, but you know, there's no doubt Hadji has come into his own the past few weeks. He's brought a different dimension to the team. Um, it's been good to introduce someone like him, you know, at this stage of the season, because at the start he was struggling a wee bit. And I think he came on, and even just that sort of taking and a half turn and having a short goal, which went wide at the post, but it gave us a wee bit of thinking, yeah. you know, we might be able to get back into this game because 
at that point you were sort of wondering how we would, but he, he made a really positive positive difference. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was a wee bit surprised with the substitution. Awesome. I, I expected a change at half-time, but, uh, you know, given the goal-scoring form that Roof's been in, I was a wee bit surprised that he was the one that, that went. I know he, he didn't play particularly well, but I don't think any of them were. So I was a wee bit surprised. But there's no doubt, you know, it worked. You know what I mean? He, he, he did, he introduced something different. And I think that shows that, you know, Gerard has, has got the squad that he wants now. You know what I mean? There's... There's players that sit out for, for, for a wee period. And I, I think we spoke earlier on about Scott Arfield, how it looked like, you know, the Rangers had recruited well enough to maybe put him in a position where, you know, he was going to be sitting on the bench most weeks. And then he got his opportunity against Dungeon United, came in, played supremely well, and then held down a jersey. And then that's forcing other people to, to sort of up their game to get back in the starting eleven. And Hadji's now, it seems like he's the latest one, you know, he was sort of in the starting team in the early part of the season. His form's dipped, you know, he's been taken out and therefore he's, he's having to fight to get back in. So that, if, if, you've, if you're a player with something about you, that inspires you, that brings the best out of you. And I think that's what Gerard has wanted for day one. You know, he talks about this, you know, two players for each position. So if one pops out, the other one's fighting to get back in, you know, and, and, and it just, Inspire everybody inspires everybody else to, to to reach a sort of higher level. So, you know, he wasn't playing particularly well, Hadji. I think he came out at the right time. I think Gerard made the right decision to take him out of the team. But it's worked. You know, he's come in over the last two, three, four games and and, and made the difference. Chipped in with a couple of goals, and he certainly made the difference yesterday. As you say, he, he was on the park for two or three minutes. He's dropped the shoulder, cut inside, got a shot away and goal, and straight away. It, set a different tone. You know, we'd been on the back foot for the whole sort of first half, really. And that just changed the tone of the game a wee bit. And yeah, he made a great contribution. Should have scored, though. That tough free kick with a header, he should have scored. But other than that, uh, yeah, good contribution. John, on to the, on to the contentious issue of the, of the red card. Well, contentious in one man's mind, but <clears throat> I, I, I can't. I think, actually, you know, the more you watch it, the more obvious it is, but you know, I think the way that Beaton takes Morellas down is just madness in itself. And when you're Bobby Madden, you're looking at that play as a whole. I, I, I can't see anything other than a red card. And I, seeing a referee runs over and is as quick as that with a red card, you know that it must have been clear on the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing contentious about it. It's absolutely a, it's. It's one of those ones they show in referee school. That's the video they show you for this is a red card. Uh, you know, it was absolutely rugby tackled him. It was nonsense. Uh, you know, let's okay. Let's deal with with Lennon. Lennon is deflecting. Okay, you know Lennon is coming out after that game and he's finding a scapegoat, which is you know day one in, in manager school. So. Um, you know, he's deflecting, he's looking for someone to put the blame. A number of Celtic supporters and a number of the media have, have gone down that route as well. But let's be under no illusions that that is in any way contentious. You know, Morelos is away. Whether Morelos will score or not is irrelevant. It's a goal-scoring opportunity. Morelos is going through on goal. Um, it was, you know, to, to have fouled him so blatantly, he gave him, you know, if he'd if he'd done a kind of mock stumble and kind of fallen into him or something, he might have got away with it. But he's never getting away with putting his arms around him and just hauling him to the ground. So, you know, it, it, no, there's nothing contentious about it. 
Um, you know, Morelos actually isn't getting enough credit for 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 completely you know doing them. I mean, he just he just left them for dead. Um, you know, there's no way the centre half, the other centre half, is going to give over. You know, you know, you know, Morelos is getting a shot in, or another Rangers player is going to manage to cover some ground, and, and he's going to knock, he's going to knock it across the, the box to him. But either way, it's a goal scoring opportunity. It's a clear red card. Um, I think what and, would yeah, what would probably be more contentious was the the one a few minutes later, Shane Duffy tackle on Ryan Kent because to yeah. me, I, I, I don't know the rules inside out, but you know there was no real intent to play the ball there. There was no, it was a dangerous tackle as well. It was a very dangerous tackle, and I think Duffy to me looks like a guy, you know, and I, I have no interest in Celtic players, but from what I've seen, he looks like a guy who's not comfortable. He's not comfortable playing for Celtic. He's not comfortable coming on in a game like that. And it looked to me like just a guy that thought, right, if I take him out, maybe I'll get some, you know, social media hype. Um, and I don't know. It just it was very very dangerous tackle. And the guy is it is it Sorrow, um, a player I was, I'll be honest, I completely unaware of until yesterday. Um, you know, it looked like a, 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 you know, looked like he could be, um, you know, he could be something for them, but. You know, the guy was on three or four fouls, which, you know, you're something not meant to do just now. You know, you know, I think we missed yesterday. I think Rangers missed yesterday. Colin and I have spoken about this before and uh, in, in the other way. Rangers missed the crowd yesterday. You know, 50,000 Rangers supporters yesterday. And I don't think that first half would have gone the way it did. You know, mm-hmm. I think we would have been woken from our stupor uh, after 10, 15 minutes if the crowd had been there yesterday. Um, I also think that the Duffy tackle, you know, with 50,000 guys up in arms, I, I do think that influences referees. And, you know, whatever referees say, I do think it referees. And I think the guy Sorrow would have definitely picked up a book in long before he did in the first half because it was continuous foul. You know, it was, none of them were hurting anybody, but it was continuous professional foul and he would have picked up a book in. So I actually think Celtic were lucky yesterday with the referee. You know, Duffy could easily have been off. And I think had there been a crowd in, he, he would have been off. Um, and I think the guy Sora would have picked up a book in a lot earlier than he did. And then who knows? You know, who knows? That, that, that changes the game if their kind of mid, main midfield guy can no longer make tackles. Yeah, that, this this crowd thing's turned into a proper gels net roundabout, isn't it? It goes from, <laughs> nah, yeah, we don't need the crowds, to we should have had the crowds, we need the crowds. It's, it's a funny one, actually. It's a funny debate to have because you can really go for it game by game, can you? And look it at it's game by yeah. game. I think it is game by game. The opposition. I think, see the Livingston game when we drew 0-0, I think the next game at Ibrox could have been bad if the crowd were in and things started getting a wee bit touchy. But I agree with John yesterday, that's the sort of game where the crowd is, is a big benefactor and helps us. Um, well, the goal came shortly after that, sending off. And it was a scrappy goal, but it felt a bit like that old, uh, old Moedu last minute goal at, at Ibrox it had that sort of feel about it and that, I think that's what it was, what it was always going to take Colin really something that was just going off you know somebody's arse or, or whatever just to get it in the net doesn't matter how they go in they all count David you know what I mean so I mean I actually didn't really see how the ball went into the net I just I saw the ball going into the box uh, and then a few players running away celebrating I, I had to watch the, the replay to sort of work out how it went in so it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? And again, that's that's how leagues are won, you know, those kind of goals. The nip and tuck games, and you just scrap it by it going on off someone's shoulder. 
I felt a wee bit for Morelos, you know, if it was going a yard the other way, he'd he'd lost his man and, and had an open goal and, and would have uh, finally broken his duck against him. But at the end of the day, as long as it went in, that's the main thing. And uh, yeah, I'll take it all day long. I don't care how they go in, David, especially against them, as, as long as they go in. Yeah, well, I had, a, I had an extremely depressing moment during the, the build-up to the goal where my now TV login had broke down on my laptop, so then I had to switch to the phone and the score alert came up as Tavernier lined up to take the corner. But then it went away and I didn't see what it was, but I sort of saw what it was and then the next thing you know, so I sort of knew before <laughs> it went in, but it was, I mean, that is, that's been my life this season because I'm always on a team. <laughs> so it's just, ah, it's been an absolute nightmare. Um, but no, it was good and I think even even after that, you always can expect John for something to happen to us, <laughs> even now when we're 19 points clear. And I just I've got a feeling I've always got a feeling when Celtic bring on you know the likes of Rogic, you're always a bit like mm, he could he could hurt us potentially, but it never really came, and it never as you said earlier, it never really looked like coming. No, I, I thought I, my most comfortable was the last 20 minutes. Um, and you look at our bench yesterday and you look at their bench yesterday and you look at our substitutions and their substitutions our substitutions strengthened us and their substitutions weakened them you know again something we have touched on in the past our recruitment over the last three transfer windows has been very very good and their recruitment has been criminal and, and somehow they've gone from having you know Thirty million pounds of Champions League money and a championship-winning team. To having a team just now that you know their first choice eleven will give us a game, but once they start making substitutions, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy bit on the guy that gets sent off. I don't actually think he is a centre half, is he? I think he no, was getting kind of no. shoehorned in because they didn't have any other centre halves. And you know, for a for a for a team that had the advantages even twelve months ago, for a team that had the advantages both financial. And both in just in terms of, of the squad that they'd built up, for them to have found themselves in that position 12 months later, that is, is really quite quite surprising. But more, more importantly, David, is, is, is what we've done. And, and, you know, I thought as soon as we scored, Gerard looked at the bench and started, just killed the game. You know, Davis just, he dictated the tempo after that, slowed the game right down. Um, and, and we made substitutions at the right time. And I've been critical this season because I don't always think we've made substitutions at the right time. I think this year we did. We made, we made substitutions at the right time. We slowed the game down. We controlled it after that. And I, yeah, I know what you're saying. You're never you're never comfortable. Fine enough, you're not comfortable against Celtic. But the most comfortable I felt in the match was, was the last 20 minutes. Didn't see I them think, so long. I think when... If, you, if you're a Rangers fan, Hibs fan, Aberdeen fan, Hearts fan, whatever, 1-0 up against Celtic and they take off... Griffiths, well, albeit he wasn't, um, you know, it was now now when he went off. They take off Griffiths, then they take off Christie, and they bring on Brown, and they bring on the other guy, whatever his name was, El Mohammed, I think. I found that, you know, that, that gave me a lot of confidence when Brown came on. I know that sounds ridiculous. I thought Brown was on. I thought, sorry, I thought Brown was on to get one of us sent off. Yeah. I genuinely think that was his instruction yeah. go on there and get one of them sent off, even the numbers. That's what I think he was there to do. But see, even if you're a Celtic fan watching that, and obviously, you know, I'm not too concerned about that now, but, you know, it, it just seems strange to me. It'd be like us taking off um, an attacking player and bringing on, like, Zungu 1-0 down. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And I think at that point, 
that was when I sort of settled and thought, you know what, that's not a gate, that's not a substitution to to change a game. But as Colin said, David, I think they ran out of steam. You know, I think they couldn't keep the, the pace up that they had in the first half. I think that's why Griffiths was coming off. I think, you know, we've we've all seen the pictures of Griffiths. Griffiths does not look fit. You know, Griffiths is carrying weight. I mean, they slag Morellis, but but Griffiths is carrying weight. I don't think Griffiths can play 90 minutes. And I think that's why they took him off. And they don't have anyone to replace him with, which is great. You know, all power to Yeah. Um, Colin, just, just before we, we go on to, to other things, but... In terms of yesterday's game, was there anything in that performance or that overall sort of the past few few games, I suppose, that have concerned you in, in the context of what's going to be a difficult, you know, few games for us? Yeah, I, I do think we're in for a difficult January. You know, we've got Pataudry next week, uh, Easter Road and Fur Park, and obviously they've just got ready Stephen Robinson. So you might have the old, you know, reaction to whoever's, coming in and taking the job. So, yeah, I do think we have a tricky January. Yeah, when you're formed that you do get concerned. You know what I mean? But we couldn't have been in a better place to, to, to you know, take a, a dip in form. You know, we're 19 points clear. Again, I think I read today that it's, it's 12 wins until, you know, we can win the title. So that, that I mean, that, I mean, I'm still really cautious about saying that this is over. I don't think it is. I would rather we maintain the sort of mentality that we've got now, just keep going and it's not done until it's done. But when I read that, 12 wins and, and we win the title, I mean, that takes us into March and we could, we could win the title. You know what I mean? So we're in a good place to take a couple of hits along the road. You know, we've not, we've not lost a, a, a game in the league yet. But, you know, if, Ger- if Gerard had done this in the first season, I would probably be more confident but because of the last two seasons, you know, we've we've faded after the the winter break. January's been a bit of a yeah, a shitty month for us, and then we've 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 struggled after that. That's got the, the the sort of paranoia in my mind that you know we're not there yet. We need to just maintain the standards that we've got now, and maintain that mentality about just turning up, doing the job, and and getting the three points and and coming away. So a lot of football to be played. We've not won the league. You know, there's a lot, a lot of football to be played, but we are 19 points clear after, what, 21 games or something like that, 22 games. Again, what I said, I like what I said at the start, if you'd offered us this in July, August, we would have, you know, we would have taken it without any questions. So I'd, uh, I think there'll be bumps in the road. You know, I think it's, it's I can't see us going the next sort of 12 games without dropping points at somewhere. But, not because, you know, I'm, I'm fearful of the team, just by the law of averages. We've won 14 on the trot now. You know, I would suspect there's more wins behind us in a row than there are in front of us. You know, I, I, I actually think we might get a draw on, on Sunday. But, I mean, a drop to is not a bad thing. So, yeah, the, the, the drop in form is a little, bit, a little bit worrying, but we're still winning. And we've got a good cushion there to just, you know, Take a wee, a wee done. And another thing is, I, I don't trust Celtic to go on the, the sort of required run that they would need to put together to to catch us. So it's not done, but I'm quietly confident that we, we have the, the we have the the players, we have the, the the management team, and we have the mentality. The mentality this season seems totally different. I mean, the way Gerard celebrated when the final whistle went yesterday, I think is key. Because this time last year at Celtic Park, you know, he's up at the camera, 
he's obviously the fans make a difference, but you know, he's up at the camera, he's celebrating, cuddling with the players yesterday, he just turned, you know, fist pumps with Neil Lennon and, and, and his bench and away. And no sort of emotion, no sort of this is a big win, just that's the three points, we go to the next game. So I think the mentality in the squad has changed. Uh, I think we have more strength and depth in the squad. So I think we're better prepared to take the inevitable dunce that, that between now and then. They, they play Hibs and then Livingston back-to-back away and at home, which, yeah. you know, the form Livingston and Livingston are in, in serious form, by the way. Yesterday, yeah. I, I saw their game last night. Um, they're, in, they're a decent side, so not an easy run of fixtures either. Um, and, and, and the pressure as well. I mean, John Hartson was blabbing last week about all the pressures on Rangers. The pressure on, on Celtic going into these three games in hand. It's incredible because they, they don't even need to get beat. They just need to drop points and, you know, that even more pressure seeped in them. So, but it's not done. It's certainly not done and I'll not be celebrating anything until we're over the line. I think the best comparison was the one you made a few weeks ago. It's a bit like Liverpool last season in the Premier League, you know, Man City. That's that's a, quite a good comparison. It always just seemed to be, and even everyone was saying, oh, Liverpool haven't won it yet, not won it yet. But then it just kept getting more and more. And I think that's the attitude we'll have to take. Um, but John, just before we move on from tomorrow's, eh, sorry, yesterday's game, uh, I think we'll, we'll spend a bit of time praising uh, who turned out to be the man of the match, um, Alan McGregor. Now, I thought you were going to say Bobby Madden there. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not... Uh, Brother Madden, Brother Madden. I, I'm I'm not big on the, the career of Andy Gorham because you know when when he was when he was at his pomp I wasn't really paying much attention to the Angels. Um, Were you a Celtic fan then, David? No, no, no. I was just I was in, I was in uh, Napoli's back then, John, as you well know. <laughs> um, but my first my first real goalie that I saw at Rangers was Stefan Kloss, and I just couldn't I couldn't see past Stefan Kloss as just my hero when I was younger. But McGregor was the one as I got older, and obviously now, and it's really. I find it hard to, to pick a winner out of, out of those two in terms of Kloss and, and McGregor, but you two will have much more of an idea about Gorham. And I know Ian Crocker asked, or Andy Walker asked, Alan McCoyst, and he was struggling yesterday, who was better at the two. But in terms of you know what McGregor's achieved and what he's still managing to do, you know, 38, 39, it's quite an, an incredible run he's had. Yeah. I mean, you know, do you know who might prove to be the best signing of the summer? John McLaughlin, because I think that's pushed McGregor on to another level again. Um, you know, McGregor this season, you know, McLaughlin's come in this season two or three times and and, and you've looked and you've thought, this guy's great. Well, this is, you know, wouldn't have had any qualms if he'd kept the jersey. And then when McGregor's got his chance, McGregor has just proved to be um, the best goalkeeper in the country. Um, and you have to say that's great management. Um, Colin and I had a chat about McGregor um, on, on the pod about a month ago and, and you're on out of superlatives because every time he's called upon he delivers um, I mean there was the spectacular save yesterday um, the one kind of tipping it around the, uh, tipping it onto the post um, but actually I thought the save at the very start of the game was, was better because it, you know chance of getting caught unawares there um, so 400 games says says all you need to know about McGregor and, and you know at his age, you can't help but feel he, he he should be losing some of the agility. You know, he should be losing some of the, the desire even. 
and and that all still seems to be there, and that's that's enormous credit to him, and that's enormous credit to the the people who work with him. Um, in terms of comparisons, it's, it's difficult to make a comparison. He's more like Klaus than he, than 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 Gorham. Gorham was a very different type of goalkeeper, and um, Gorham was a huge character. You know, he was a, he was a, he was a he was a big presence. Um, he he, I think Malin McCoy used to call him the flying pig. Because you know he didn't look like uh, a, a, an athlete. Let's let's say that um, he, he didn't resemble your your. You know, I'm not I'm not sure Gorham would have got into this country Rangers team. You know, I'm not sure he was the right fit for this country Rangers team. But he was the right fit for that Rangers team, um, and he pulled off uh, countless times. He pulled off saves. The game against if you ever get a chance to watch the game against Leeds at Elms Road, Elms Road, the uh, the European Cup game. Um, you know, Gorham in that game was astonishing um, and the number of times he did it in big games games against Celtic cup finals cup semi-finals where you know he, he pulled off a, a save again we spoke about this a wee while ago and you'll have seen this on YouTube or, or whatever and pulled off a save once from Van Hoydonk mm. I think it was Colin said himself he said the ball was in you know it, 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 you, you, when you're watching football you, you just you see the angles it all happens in front of you ball's in and somehow or other it wasn't somehow or other he, he stopped it, um, and to this day I still don't know how he did it. So we have been lucky. Um, I first started watching Rangers, um, and I said it was, it was a while ago, and, and you know Peter McCloy was still on, on the books. <laughs> I started watching Rangers. Nicky Walker was was the first choice. Um, so you know I've been lucky. I've seen Chris Woods. Saw Chris Woods come in, and, and Chris Woods set a new standard of goalkeeper. Um, Andy Gorham, I think, went up a level. Um, Kloss came in and, and um, you know, made you forget about about Gorham. McGregor has come in and over two spells. If I'm pushed, I'd say that McGregor, I think, is the, is the best of of those four. Um, I think he has done it consistently. Um, Kloss was immaculate, but Kloss towards the end wasn't good with his feet. You know, Kloss, is, Kloss was a was a great shot stopper. Again, a commanding presence, but he actually wasn't very good with his feet. That's one of the things that's impressed me this, this year about McGregor in particular is that his distribution has improved. You know, he's, he's actually got better um, from that perspective. He's, he's a goalkeeper that's gone through that whole change of, of what a goalkeeper has to do. You know, Gorham goes a goalkeeper in a time when goalkeepers just basically had to make saves. Um, McGregor isn't. You know, McGregor's so much of what goalkeepers do now is, is start the next move. It's this whole talk of transitions and, and moving things quickly. You know, and, and, and McGregor is good at that as well as just pulling off, you know, doing nothing for a whole match and then just pulling off a save. So, yeah, I mean, uh, people will have different views. You can't, it's difficult to make that comparison, but I actually think he, he is of them, of them all. I think he is the best. Um, and the fact he's still doing it is fantastic. I think yeah. he's got a contract with some of those, you know? Yeah, I think he might be. But I've noticed, I've noticed Colin fidgeting because this, this sort of question has his bread and butter, this sort of Gorham McGregor thing. I could see his, his finger. <laughs> His finger is hovering over that. How <laughs> do I mute him? <laughs> <laughs> hey Colin, I'll let you. I'll let you have your. I've just, I've just, I've just got, I've just got an itch. I'm just sitting here itching. It's a nervous hive kind of itch. Uh, I would agree with John. I think McGregor's done it uh, consistently over a over a longer period. Uh, I think Gorham. I, I agree with him that night at Ellen Road was a masterclass, and and it was it was almost like a. A personal duel between him and Eric Cantona, and it was just sublime to watch. And I, I mean, it was so nerve-wracking as well watching it live. It was just you only really enjoyed it 
watching it, you know, re-watching it after the actual event, during it, it was just so nerve-wracking. But Goran was quite injury-prone, you know, and he, he didn't look after himself, I don't think, in the best possible way. I was in the, I was in the Loudon Tavern when it was the old one that was on Duke Street. Uh, I was going to the cup final at Celtic Park. Uh, Rangers were playing St. Johnson in Advocates' first season. Uh, we won 2 1. So, me and a couple of mates were in the, the Loudon Bar in Duke Street, and Gorham came in, and he didn't have a club at the time. And he came in, and he like he had like his two front teeth were missing. He was the size of a house. His hair was all sort of long and curly and kind of greasy looking. And I, I turned to my mate, and I was like, Advocate must just, he must have just taken one look at that guy and went, Get him to, he is not my goalkeeper, you know, so the, 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 there was that aspect to Gorham. You know, he was a fantastic goalkeeper, but, you know, he didn't look after himself in the best possible way. McGregor's a bit of a boy at times, but I think he's he's, he's a more dedicated professional on that front and, and a more dedicated athlete. And you're seeing that because he's, you know, he's still doing it at 38, 39. So, yeah, I think 400 appearances. And the sort of the, the level of performance that he's maintained over those, I think he's the best in my lifetime. Just just beats Jim Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, just before we move on from McGregor, I'd probably like your, both your takes on this. Um, over the past, I mean, the past three years under Gerard, they've been they've been better. But I think that period between twenty twelve and twenty seventeen eighteen, I was I I was always concerned about the the leaders in the dressing room and the people who are holding the standards of the club and holding the standards of the team when, you know, things weren't going well. And since he came back and Davis also came back, I've a bit more, you know, I feel like they are the ones in the dressing room that will be at least letting letting the players know what, what it means, you know, to us and also about the standards that need to be set. And, you know, when we are, aren't performing, you know, they're the ones that are leading you know, the reasons why, and they'd be the ones that were telling the players why. And I always feel a bit more content that there's people in the dressing room like that that are going to understand the club and, and, and where we where we should be. I, I found McGregor's interview after the game yesterday quite interesting, John, in the sense that he wasn't, he wasn't praising, he wasn't praising the team massively and he was making clear how poor we'd been in the first half. Um, and he was making it clear on the pitch as well. How do you feel about that? Because I know it's a sort of long-winded there, but I always felt that there wasn't quite as many people that understood the club. But now to have him and, and Davis in there, especially two guys that have had great success with us, as well as guys like Jermaine Defoe, who you know may not know a lot about Rangers, or maybe do now, but certainly know about playing top-level football. Yeah, I mean, the, the culture in the dressing room is, is vital. Um, and making... So much of football, so much of, of all sport at that level, I think, you know, is 90% in the head. You know, I mean, most most of these guys will, will be getting trained to a high, high level, you know, have all sorts of, um, you know, things at their disposal that can improve them. It's it's their mentality after that. It's, it's you know, do they choose to take that on? You know, do they, I mean, we spoke earlier on about Celtic going down to 10 men and, 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 and not galvanising them. You know, and I think the culture at that club is different. And I don't know if we're going to talk about the, the photographs that have appeared tonight about them all sitting around boozing in, in Dubai. I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine this Rangers team doing that just now. If Rangers had lost that game yesterday, I can't imagine photographs appearing of this current team having pints and, and sitting in the sun. I just can't see it happening. 
Um, and I think that tells you something about the culture. And I think it's an astute observation from you. I think McGregor and Davis, you know, Davis has, has 100 caps for his country. You know, Stephen Davis is the immaculate professional. Um, Stephen Davis is a guy that's in a position that, you know, Stephen Davis must be getting a fair bit of kick in, the, um, in his position through the years. He's played at the top level his entire career. He's either been playing for Rangers or been playing the English Premiership. Um, and he will bring a level of, of just professionalism and experience to that dressing room. Plus, he knows what it takes to win a league. He's done it before. You know, he's captained his country to, to, to you know, the second round of, of European championships. You know, and, and um, to do that with Northern Ireland is, is quite something. So, so him and McGregor as well. McGregor will bring something else. McGregor's quite a big personality. I think Stephen Davis always struck me as being a, as a quieter person, someone who will lead by example. McGregor's quite a big personality. He's, I would suspect he's quite a, a big voice in the dressing room. I suspect he's somebody who uh, will help people settle in quite quickly. I, I suspect he's, he's a bit more like that. Uh, and I think they'll be immensely important. And, and I think it was an interesting point that um, Gerard made last season. He talked about Andy Halliday. And he, he talked about Andy Halliday's importance to the club in the dressing room. You know, he un- I think Gerard understands that. Gerard understands how important that that having the right mentality in there is. And I think he looks to these players to, to kind of sort that out. Gerard doesn't come across as the ranter and raver. You know, I mean, I'm sure he has his moments, but he, he doesn't come across as that kind of guy. You know, he's not a guy who rants and raves on the sidelines. Um, and I suspect he relies on the senior players to, to, to just keep getting that message across. Uh, and I suspect you're right. I suspect you're right about Defoe. I mean, Defoe, from what I gather, is, is somebody who's been very influential on Morelis. Um, in, in, on teaching him things and on improving him. Um, I suspect he's having a similar influence on Roof. Um, you know, vitally important, vitally important. Um, Colin, just on that point, the, the game I watched, I've mentioned it already tonight, but there was highlights of the, the 3-2 game a, a few years ago and some of the players that were, were playing, playing that day, you know, Josh Windass for one, Declan John, um, Greg Dockery, Jason Cummings came on. You know, it's a it's a different level of club and team we've got now, really. And, and even looking at Graham Murray and dugout, no harm to Graham Murray. He's, he's obviously been a good servant to the club and still is. But back then it was like, we were really, really lucky to be anywhere near any sort of title run that season. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think John makes a good point. Mentality is a big, big part. If you're a big player, it's, it's a big part of what makes you a big player, you know what I mean? I can remember a thing with Sunnis, and I never really understood it until I actually, I wasn't a football manager, but I was I was a manager, uh, you know, in, in, my, in my job. And I remember Sunnis saying, he was talking about Ray Wilkins, saying he was getting more in the dressing room from him than he was in the park. And I always found that a strange comment. I mean, I was only like 16 or 17 at the time, and I didn't, I thought, well, as a football player, how can you be getting more in the dressing room? But when I was a manager, I had a, had a team of young folk. They were all mostly students. And there was this one guy who wasn't the best in terms of his output. And he's, you know, he wasn't hitting his KPIs and all this kind of stuff. But what he did do was, he, he, you know, on a Monday when everybody was a bit down coming back from the weekend, he was the one that lifted the place a wee bit. So in an indirect way, he was, you know, he was, he was, uh, contributing in a big, big way. He was the one that got everybody else going. And so uh, at one period, I was getting a bit of stick from my manager saying, you know, you need to deal with this person. You know, you need to 
you know, his work's not to scratch. And I had an argument with my manager. I said, well, he's doing things in other ways that help. You know, I'm not defending him and I'll try and get him up to scratch with his work. But he does something that other people don't. And I, and I think that works in football as well, you know. And I think the Andy Halliday example is one of those. You know, he wasn't really, you know, because the Rangers squad had improved so much, he was falling out of things in terms of getting game time. But Steven Gerrard obviously saw that he still contributed something in the dressing room. And it's a big, big part of it. And it's a, I think it's a part that a lot of supporters don't really think about. You know, the dynamic in the dressing room and the characters in the dressing room who help shape the team and, and make, either make them winners or losers. And in 2012, you know, when the, the, the financial collapse happened and we lost all those players, that was that whole winning mentality ripped out of the club. You know, when you, when you brought together, I, mean, I, I think we came back pre-season that year and we had about seven players on the books or something. McCoy's had to pull a squad together. None of them are getting introduced to a winning dressing room. That's gone. That's lost. You know what I mean? And it's taken a long, long time to, to, to get that back. And that's why Davis and McGregor, in my opinion, are so important because they're the only links to the last dressing room that, that won something. And so when the guys in, in the current squad get the first trophy, then that's it re-established. Everyone in that dressing room knows what it takes to win a trophy. And then that gets continued. You know, you reintroduce, you introduce, sorry, new players to that dressing room. It's a winning dressing room. You might not be a winner yet yourself, but you've got guys in that dressing room who are going to show you how to become a winner. You've got the basic skills. You've got, you know, a good football brain, good touch, good control. You can finish or whatever position you play in, but you don't have that winning mentality. The guys in the dressing room will show you what's required. Back in 2012, we didn't have that. In 2015, we didn't have that because it was ripped out in 2012. So I think it's a part of the game that people don't pay enough uh, attention to. And I was guilty of that. It wasn't until I became a manager myself and I had to deal with staff that I started to understand that even people who maybe on the, the face of it aren't contributing in the way that you think they should be contributing, but they're doing something else in the background that helps everybody else. It helps the dynamic of the team and helps the team perform. So it is, it's, it's, it's something that people need to consider. And I think Andy Halliday, uh, was a, that was one of the reasons he stayed a wee bit longer, I think. I think Gerard felt that he offered something uh, in that front. He, was, he wasn't going to get a huge amount of game, game time towards the end, but he added something in the dressing room. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part. The mentality side is a huge part of it, I think. And we've got it now. It's there. Just to be clear there, Colin, in that anecdote you told, it, were you Graham Sooners? No, I never understood what Sunis said. When he was talking about Ray Wilkins, I didn't understand it until I became a manager myself. Right, okay. That's what I was trying to say. Right, um, <laughs> yeah, yesterday, yesterday before the game, obviously marked the 50th anniversary of the, the Ibrox disaster. Um, I know you and, you and Ross touched on that on, on Friday night, Colin. Um, but John, obviously, the difficult way to market, you know, with with COVID and all that stuff, you know, there wasn't the ability to market in the way the club had had planned. But you know, the, the stuff that was put out on social media, the tributes and the the documentary the club did, as well as actually Sky's coverage before the game, I thought was was really poignant and and, and actually quite emotional. Yeah, it's something that I think it actually has had a because it's the fiftieth. Yeah, I think it's maybe been reintroduced to a wider audience. It's obviously something that, that we've all been aware of and, and familiar with for, well, you know, for, in your cases, forever. Um, I was a, 
I was a, a very young boy when, when it happened. Um, I grew up with a story that is familiar to many, many people, and I've heard it told in, in different ways. You know, a, an older cousin who went to the game, um, who left completely oblivious, got the underground into town, met up with one of his friends, you know, didn't come home till nine o'clock that night to, you know, parents in absolute agony, um, completely oblivious to what had gone on. Um, it, it was a different time. Uh, I didn't see, I didn't see the BBC documentary, um, but I read the article that, that that kind of accompanied it on the BBC website, which I thought was quite good. Um, it, they'd taken, it was actually a couple of Celtic supporters from Mark Inch and Fife, who had been friends, who'd been at school with and, and friends with the five boys that died. Um, and it was, it was, it was handled well. It was written well. It was, it was accurate. Um, I saw the, 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 the one the club did um, and uh, with um, Mr Park speaking and, and again I thought it was excellent um, I thought that was the right tone um, uh, and I thought the bit that I didn't see the sky stuff but I saw um, Roddy Forsyth who was at the game I, I didn't know that Roddy Forsyth was at the game um, and, and him talking about it on Football Focus um, so everything I've seen has been I felt has hit the right tone um, you know, it's such a difficult topic. You know, there are people alive today who were at that game. There are people alive today who lost friends, who lost family. Um, you know, it's it's something, and I know Colin, Colin put something out on social media through the week that, you know, it, it's crept in over the last kind of 15 years or so, maybe more than that now, um, people making fun of it. But when I was growing up, nobody did. You know, it wasn't, it was just a subject that was taboo. You know, there was there wasn't much off limits um, in football in the certainly in the seventies and eighties and, and even into the nineties. Um, but that was, and I remember the first time I realised it was being mocked was at Aberdeen, I thought, um, and and just being quite shocked that, that 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 was a subject that people felt that you know they could try and make fun of. Um, so I thought the club have done well. It is, you know. A service, a full house at Glasgow Cathedral would have been quite something and it would have been certainly been a quite fitting thing. But as I say to, to, to people when, when, maybe people who aren't Rangers supporters, when they, when they first find out about this and they ask me about it, I say, look, the stadium is the memorial to those, to those people. You know, we built that stadium, the stadium that we all now recognise as, as Ibrooks. Um, you know, the, the, the stadium that we... We visit just now that we all the stadium that pretty much all of us know is our stadium. It wasn't always, you know, for a long, long time our stadium was mainly terracing, um, and and that stadium is the memorial to them. You know, the, the people who died that day and the people who died before it, but particularly the people who died that day. They are the reason that, that we have the stadium we have, and the other reason we, we always must have that stadium, um, and, and that is the memorial to them, um, and that's a fitting. Memorial, you know, that, that the club decided that whatever else happens, that can never happen again. And if that costs us on the park, then it costs us on the park. You know, if money has to be taken, and, and money was then, money was diverted away um, and, and used to, 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 to build it up a new stadium at a time when nobody was doing that. You know, when, when in fact clubs were doing the opposite. You know, most clubs were, were not spending money on their stadiums. Um, Rangers rebuilt Ibrooks, and that is the memorial to the, to, to the, the people who died that day, and, and that's a fitting memorial. Yeah, Colin, did, did you manage to see um, some of the some of the, the tributes over uh, the past couple of days? 
Yeah, I, I saw the one in the BBC. Uh, I thought overall it was it was it was fairly good. That, given the, the current relationship with the BBC and Rangers, there was there was a wee sort of five minutes in it when they were kind of being quite accusing towards the club, and they'd done one for the fortieth anniversary that didn't have that sort of content in it, and I just kind of thought. I didn't know if there was any need for that. I saw this guy one yesterday. I was quite moved by the guy who, it was, it was a, a tragic story actually, that he thought he was going to his first Old Firm game with his brother. Uh, his brother had two tickets and his brother took his pal rather than rather than him. And the two of them, the two of them died. I found myself getting quite emotional watching that because, you know, that's a bit of a sliding doors moment for that guy. You know what I mean? If he'd went to that game, he would have been with his brother and, the odds are that you know he, w- he wouldn't have came back. So, you know, it's stories like that. You know what I mean? It's as it it's uh, how it's became sort of fair game for you know being mocked and all that kind of stuff is is beyond me. Uh, I suppose it is what it is. But yeah, it's it was it was touching. It was nice. A lot of the stuff that went on and aye, it's uh, it's nice to see. Indeed. Um, that's sort of us uh, running out of time um, what I will touch on before we go uh, Jersnet's begun a new partnership with um, footballprizes.co.uk um, there's going to be a range of prizes in the coming weeks for fans to try and get their hands on um, the first was a, a signed and framed Stephen Gerrard jersey Rangers jersey I should say um, the, the uptake for that's been good so far so keep your eyes peeled on our social media um, for other prizes that you could be in with a chance of winning um, and of course as always uh, please subscribe to the podcast um, give us a like on social media uh, previous episodes of ten, um, and tonight's show sorry, uh, are available to listen to on all the usual platforms from Monday um, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Castbox whatever else you get your podcasts. Just for the voice of doubt, this is a, a blue tinted glass. I'm not actually drinking blue. I could, just in case that was going to become a, a thing um, on the social media. It's uh, going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but listen, thanks very much to Colin and, and John for joining me tonight. Um, and we hope you enjoyed. Until next time, uh, good night.